So I want you to think about this. Every morning, every day, when you turn on the news or you open up the Dallas Morning News, maybe the Paris News, but it's not going to take you long to get through that one. It's truth. Laura, I'm so sorry I said that. Just look at the pictures. Look at the pictures. Laura Arnold is on the, she worked for the Paris News. I am so sorry I said that. I love the Paris News. Forgot what I was going to say now. <laughs> Here's the problem. Don't start with that, right? Here's the problem. So you go to one of those sources, and here's reality. Here's the world we live in. You're going to see the news being reported of some shooting, of some terrible violent act. You're going to see some, something go wrong with the economy, and they're always talking about the crisis of the economy. You're going to always see something about natural disasters and violence. There's always this evil all around. And so that's the problem. Now I want to give you not a solution, but I want to give you a focus. And here's the focus. The focus should be in our life not on, oh, I need to go out and try to save the world. No, rather, I want to suggest this morning that our focus is really this. I need to love Jesus and obey his will for my life. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, what in the world does that have to do with humanity? I'll tell you in just a moment, okay? And I want to admit something. When we started this series several weeks back, and as even before that, as I started thumbing through the Believe series, and I saw this one, Humanity, when it popped off the page, I thought, really? you got to be kidding me. How boring is that? Because my first thought was, man, that's like going to college and, and the, you know, your person says, hey, the next class that you need to take so you can graduate and have all these hours is humanity. And my first thought was, how boring could that be? I mean, who wants to set through a class on that? And then as I started really digging through that theme, I started realizing how frail my own humanity is and how frail your humanity is, right? And then I thought, you know, this may just be one of the most important themes of the whole series that we look at because, after all, we are all only human. Therefore, when you look at a theme like humanity, I think rather than trying to go out and trying to save everything and making a difference that way, really what it boils down to is I need to fall in love with Jesus more and more. And I need to obey him. And when I love Jesus and I obey him, this idea of humanity is going to make more sense to us. And so, I want you to think about it, a look at humanity. It's kind of like a typical soap opera, seems to start off really good, started great in the garden, Adam and Eve, I mean, they had it all, 
life was great, couldn't get any better. But then they came to believe that life could get better than it already was because here's what happens. Human nature always tells us whatever we have, don't settle for that. We want more. That's just human nature, and it kind of kicks in. And so we're satisfied for a moment, and then guess what? Man, that moment kind of passes, and we want more, and we want to move up, and we want to move beside, and we want to move beyond. We just don't want to settle for where it is. That's the story of humanity. And so Adam, his name literally means humankind. And so I want you to think about this for a moment. The story of Adam, his story is really our story. His story is one of trusting self over trusting God, and here's the result of that, brokenness. Broken relationships between God and people. Broken relationships between people and people. Right? Broken relationships inwardly, broken relationships from an outward perspective. So what do you do when something is broken? When Humpty Dumpty took that great fall, what had to happen again? Yeah. So how do you start putting Humpty Dumpty back together, right? Well, kind of neat to kind of look at that little story, okay? Because that really doesn't have anything to do with you and I, does it? But what happens when something is broken in your life? What happens when something is broken in a relationship that you have? The easy thing to do and what Satan wants you to do is to say, just stay in that brokenness. Don't try to put it together again. But again, if we love Jesus and if we obey his commandments and his will for our life, what does he teach us? When something is broken... You go to all extremes. You go to all measures to see what you can do to restore that. When your relationship is broken between you and God, aren't you glad to know that God is the God of restoration? There's brokenness all around us, isn't there? There's broken marriages. There's broken relationships. There's broken relationships between uh, a mom and a dad, between uh, spouse and spouse, between children and their parents. There's broken relationships all around us. What do you do? Again, it's easy just to say it'll take care of itself. Let's just kind of sweep it under the rug and let's just pray that it doesn't show up again. Only to realize, guess what? It shows up again. I tried cleaning house like that one day in college. My friend and I, uh, we got home early from work. We lived right next door uh, to some of our best friends. And so we thought, you know, let's go, let's see how long we can go and to eat together. Save money, let's see how many nights we can go where we eat together. We went for over a month, every day. We didn't skip a, we didn't skip a day, every day we came up with some idea of how we could eat together and save on money, and we had a blast doing that. Well, one day, 
uh, my friend's wife called home and said, hey, are you home yet? Yes, Patrick and I are both here at the house just chilling out, you know. And she said, well, guess what? We have a lot of dishes and a lot of stuff that needs to be cleaned up before supper tonight. He said, we got this. Hung up. Man, I've never in my life done dishes as fast as we did that day. I mean, we just kind of, we didn't have a dishwasher. We just kind of squirted the soap all over the dishes. And I mean, we just started rinsing and he would hand them to me. And boy, they were still kind of dirty, but I just wiped them off. And here we go, right? So we got the kitchen done, and then we went into uh, all over the house to the bedrooms and stuff, and he had this great idea. Instead of folding the clothes that needs to be folded, he said, let's just kind of open the closet doors and literally just throw the clothes in there and shut it and pray that she doesn't open the door. That is not a good idea. That did not work. I said, man, what are you going to do? If she opens the door and all those clothes come tumbling over, he said, I'll just run away. It'll be fine. That happened. He ran out of the house. That was a quick way to kind of clean house and to kind of do things that were broken and that were messed up, right? Now, I didn't say it was the right way, but we got it done for a period of time. Sometimes we treat our own life that way, don't we? We put a little Band-Aid over something that's broken, and we think, oh, this Band-Aid will cover it up, it'll fix it, it'll go away, only to realize that it won't go away for good. You talk about Adam and Eve again. They knew their restrictions, and there was only one. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But guess what? That evil door came knocking, presented itself, had another idea. And it was more than suggestive, it was seductive. Eat the fruit from the tree. Looks good, tastes good. You need it. And after all, it's from God. So it's got to be good. And after all, what is God really going to do to you? Right? I mean, all these things going through their mind, and so they do, and guess what? Sin entered the world and that sin nature was passed on to us. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Let me read that again. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And then another writing of Paul and to the church in Colossae, Colossians 1. So we tell others about Christ. Warning who? Everyone. And teaching everyone with all the wisdom that God has given us because we want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. In the readings this morning, I want you to catch the alls and the everyones. It's not just me. It's not just you. It's everyone. Okay? And we all have this one thing in common. And here it is. God loves every single one of us. Now, bring it down to yourself. God loves you. You need to understand that first and foremost, right? 
but let's not be selfish about it. God doesn't just love you, He loves everyone. Because after all, we're all only human. So what difference does that make? Well, first of all, I think we see this. We have to see people how God sees them. Now let that soak in for a minute. We have to see people how God sees them. So think about your neighbor, your neighbors. Let's face it, some of our neighbors we really like, right? Some of our neighbors just drive us crazy, right? They do. God loves us all. We see people how God sees them. Co-workers. Man, if you've got a great co-worker, things are wonderful, right? If your co-workers are not very good, life is not very fun waking up and going to work every day, right? But again, start seeing them the way that God sees them. Now, now let me really bring it home. Church folk. Now I'm gone to meddling, right? You mean, yeah, I mean, the people that you sit on the pew with week in and week out. It's easy for us to say, we love them all. But do we always see them that way and treat them that way? Sometimes in the church, what do we do? We shoot the wounded, don't we? We don't always treat brothers and sisters in Christ the way that God would want us to treat them, do we? After all, are they any better than you? Any better than me? No. And humanity says all, everyone is included in that. And you see them the way that God sees them. Look at John chapter 3 beginning in verse 16. We know this part. For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. Again, not your job to go save them. God's going to take care of that. There's no judgment against anyone who believes in Him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. So what do you do with somebody? What do you do in the church when there's somebody that you may sit with on the pew that may not believe something exactly the way that you believe it? Maybe they just don't see things the way that you see them. What do you do? The easy thing to do is say, well, I'll just go sit somewhere else. I don't have to be near them. Okay? But guess what? You're still in the same room, aren't you? I mean, look around this morning. Now we're afraid to look around, right? Here's reality. We're not all going to see things alike, are we? We're not all going to believe things alike. Hopefully this morning we're all here and we believe this. 
that Jesus is Lord of all. Amen? Folks, let me tell you, if we believe that, surely we can get along and we can talk about and discuss some of these other things that sometimes we just fuss and argue and even split over. Surely we can have conversations about those things because, again, we're all only human. And because of that, who has saved all of us in the first place? God, through His Son, Jesus. You are not good enough to save yourself. If you were, we wouldn't need a Savior, would we? But Jesus enters, He lives life, and He teaches that His way is good. May not always be perfect for you, but it will always work out for your will. Because everyone matters to God, and therefore, they should matter to me. If everyone, even your neighbor, even church folks who are hard to get along with, if they belong to God, they belong to me. They belong to you. And humanity says, you love them. May not agree with them, may not like everything, but you love them because God created them. That's why I started this morning in Psalm 139 to remind us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. I mean, he wove us together, didn't he? And he put us together exactly the way that he wanted to. And so, not only do we see people the way God sees them, look at this next part. We treat people the way that God treats them. I want you to find Luke's gospel, and I want you to go to Luke 14. Here's what happens one night when Jesus is eating dinner at the home of a Pharisee, a prominent one at that, Jewish religious leader, I want to start in verse 7, go to verse 11 and take a stop for a moment, and then we'll keep going. Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, and he gave them this advice. When you're invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who's more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, Give this person your seat, and then you will be embarrassed, and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table, and then when your host sees you, he will come and say, Friend, we have a better place for you, and then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted he's kind of speaking tongue-in-cheek here and he thinks this system of placing human value on people is totally inconsistent with the way God designed it in the first place and so he gets to the heart of the matter with what he says next and look at verse 12 then he turned to his host 
And he says, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, notice it doesn't say if, but it says when. You put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said. Don't invite your friends and your brothers and relatives and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. God looks into our hearts and he watches over our invitation list. Boy, isn't it fun to make an invitation list, whether it's a birthday party or a wedding or whatever it is. Isn't that fun? Because if the seats are limited, here's your problem. You know you're going to leave somebody out. And a lot of times when somebody's left out, what happens? My feelings get hurt. If you don't invite me to your birthday party, I'm going to be very hurt. Right? I mean, that's how we are. And so in our minds, we're thinking, man, who do I invite? And who do I just kind of leave out? Just kind of forget, right? Not really, but that's kind of what happens, right? So, Jesus is looking at this, and he says, when we show equal value to broken and abandoned people in our culture, God takes note of that, and he rewards us for it. You know why? Because the easy thing to do is go invite your family. The easy thing is go invite your neighbors that you like. But what about that nosy neighbor that you don't like? God says, you might want to invite that person. You might want to invite the poor while you're at it. Those who don't have as much as you have. Invite them. What do you do? I mean, it kind of turns it all upside down, doesn't it? And again, it's not a matter of thinking about it because if you love Jesus and you're really wanting to obey him, you shouldn't even think twice about inviting the poor, should you? It should be a way of life. It should be our nature because it's the Jesus way of doing things. And that's what we want to be about. But let's face it, sometimes that human nature kicks in and we don't always think that way. And I think when you look at a theme like humanity, I think what God is reminding us all through Scripture is this. Don't think of yourselves. Think of others. Have an attitude and a heart of humility. When Christ went to the cross, it took a lot of humility, didn't it? It took a lot of humility and action on his part to not think about himself, but to think about the whole world. And when he stopped and when he realized, I'm doing this not for me, but I'm doing this for the whole world, that's when he's able to say, Father, not your will, not my will, but yours be done. And that's really what we want to strive to say in our own life. That kind of behavior flows from our hearts because we long to have a heart after God. So I can't help but ask what would happen in the church 
if we actually treated people the way that God wants us to treat them? What would happen in our community? Can you imagine the difference we could make just by aligning ourselves with this one simple belief? And over the past several years, what we've noticed as a church, we're beginning to realize we need to have a heart for all people. And you're seeing more in this church take part in boards in our community. They sit on boards and they serve on boards to try to help the poor people and to try to help the homeless and to try to find solutions for that. Why? That's a lot of work. Why do we do that? Because that's the heart that God wants us to have. We've seen more people in this church get involved with broken relationships and children in our community where people go and they read to children who don't have a mom and dad or grandparent to read to them. Why do you do that? Because when that child smiles at you, it reminds you, oh, this is why, because I'm in love with Jesus, this is why I'm with this child today. Could be somewhere else, but this is where I need to be. And so we've helped the foster parents by giving them relief and by taking care of the children. Those are just a few examples. Why do we do that? Because it's brokenness and we want to be a part of restoring all things back to God. We want to be a part of helping see how it can all fit back together in God's design and in his plan and so when you love people the way God loves them and you treat people the way God treats them what begins to happen is we begin to see I really need need to go tell all people about Jesus not just those that I like but all people that's why the church is so passionate about seeing people come into relationship with Jesus. God's love changes the story of humanity. And that story begins with you. How will I take part in that? You love people and you treat people and you tell everybody about the good news of Jesus and what he can do with your life. That when something's broken, he's the one that can put it all back together again. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we love you and we thank you for the way that you touch us. For the way that you bring life to us. Father, as we have been reminded this morning from your word, we are all broken people.
And we all stand in need of your love and your grace and mercy every day. We thank you for giving us those things that we need the most. And Father, help us in our life as we fall in love with your son Jesus and as we obey what you want us to do. Help us to realize that starts by loving all people. And so I pray, Father, this morning that we have been, that our eyes have been opened, that our hearts have been touched once again to just see people the way you see them. And so, Father, the challenge for us is we all have people in our lives that we have a difficult time with. And I pray that you soften our hearts and give us patience to love them and see them through your eyes. Help us to have your eyes and your heart more and more. It's through Jesus we pray and all the church said, Amen. If you need to respond in any way this morning, the invitation is open for you while we stand and while we sing.